Thank you for listening to the sermons here at Ascension Lutheran Church. Our worship services happen on Sunday mornings. 8.30 is our traditional worship service, and 10.30 is our contemporary worship service. We'd love to see you on a Sunday morning. You can visit us also on our website at www.alcrpv.org. We hope you enjoy the sermon. This Sunday's reading, as you were listening to it, I'm sure you felt a little bit like I felt as I was preparing this week, which was, seriously, more wrath, more things happening. I mean, did, did you hear what went on in this week's reading? One of the bowls of the God's wrath was poured out upon the ocean, and it turned into blood like a corpse. Wow. And another one was put and poured out on the sun, and it burned so hot that it blistered the skin of people. And as I was preparing, and I, and I prepare a little bit differently than um, other pastors, I think, where I kind of put thoughts into my brain and read the readings and play with them in my head over the week, and very often some God will have some string that comes through that ties it all together. And um, it ha- happens in the shower a lot. I'll be like, oh, this is what we're supposed to say. And um, I'll come up with those things. And so I just kind of play with it over and over and over in my head, these different ideas, and, and see what happens as God um, p- pieces the different things together. And on Thursday afternoon, after I attended June Kuhn's, um retirement party, which was just wonderful and a blessing, I got to my desk and was sitting there. And as I was reading this and just trying to put down on paper what I wanted you to have here, I just got bummed out. I just got into this place of feeling like, wow, this is so heavy, and it's so dark, and it's so powerful that I just don't want this to be true. I just got uncomfortable with the judgment of God, and just got uncomfortable with the amount of pouring out of wrath there is. And I just wanted to say, okay, God, enough. Seriously. And what's interesting about that, and as I was feeling that way, I just eventually said, I'm going to just stop, right? I'm just going to end here, and I'm going to drive home. And I drove down via the beach to try to get myself in a little bit better mood before showing home, showing up at the house. And there's also a lot of pokey stops along that way, so I could get Pokemon balls. And so I did that, and I got home. And I was in a little bit better mood, but I just told Emily that afternoon, like, this is just, it's depressing. This is, I'm just feeling heavy with all of this. And I think that part of that is exactly the point. Part of where we are in the book of Revelation is for us to feel utterly overwhelmed with the power and justice of God. And so I've drawn this for you a couple of times, but I want to do it one more time. We have these three sections and they're broken apart between two and three with an interagum, was what we called it. And that's what we studied the last two weeks. And these three sections all are the same time period, from the ascension of Christ to the judgment seat, where Jesus sits on the throne with his crown and judges. And remember, we had the seals, and then we had the trumpets, and then we had our interagum, the middle part with the beast and the dragon, And now we have the bowls. And these first two both had a interlude between the seals and the trumpets. And that interlude was there to encourage us. 
It told us, remember, there's 144,000 people that are sealed and marked by God. And so in the midst of all that's going on, God knows his people. And in the trumpets, we had the interlude with the two witnesses and the great angel. And it said, God's gospel is being proclaimed. In the midst of all the chaos, God's gospel is being proclaimed. Then we had this great story of the woman giving birth to the child and the dragon and the lamb on the hill conquering. And you're thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get to these bowls and there's no interlude. There's bowls of God's wrath being poured out. There's seas turning to blood and you're just crushed under the judgment of God. And I think that's the intent. Because we need to understand our position in relationship to God before we can get to the rest of Revelation. And so it's fascinating about these bowls right here. There's no interlude. It's just straight bowl, bowl, bowl. You've heard in the reading, right? One through seven, laid out, destroying things. And so we have all of these bowls. And we have all of this going on, and we feel overwhelmed, and we feel frustrated. And if you open up to the text, I want you to see the parts that really hit me the hardest. And if you open up to Revelation 16, starting with verse 9, we have this reminder It says, well, let's start with verse 8. The fourth angel poured his bowl on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were scorched by the fire, by the fierce heat, but they cursed the name of God who had authority over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. And then the fifth angel poured his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in agony. That is a nasty descriptive term, right? People gnawed their tongues in agony. And what did they do with those tongues? Cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and sores. And they did not repent of their deeds. All of these things, these bowls of God's wrath, this judgment's being poured out, and the, the terms that we get are people are remaining where they are. And for me, and I won't put this on you, for me I become very uncomfortable. Because I think, why is God doing this? And I get uncomfortable And I start to reflect, and I think, what could possibly be worthy of having this kind of wrath? And then I'm brought to the fact that I believe in some parts of my DNA that I'm pretty good. And I am not worthy of this kind of wrath. Because, you know, I I do a lot of really good things. I mean, I just advertised helping babies get shots, right? I'm a pastor. I'm a pretty good guy. You're not worthy of God's wrath, right? Now, I won't put that on you because maybe you don't think that way. But I start to think that way. And as I think that way, I look at God and I say, that's unfair. For you to do those things 
is unfair, and it starts with me believing that inside of myself is actually a lot of pretty good stuff. And as I was doing this in preparation, I remembered this quote from Lewis in The Problem of Pain, um, another one of his books. It's on the backside of your blue sheet here. And it says this, A recovery of the old sense of sin is essential to Christianity. Christ takes it for granted that men are bad. Until we really feel this assumption of his to be true, though we are part of the world he came to save, we are not part of the audience to whom his words are addressed. You see, if we don't think we're that bad, then what we think is we go, yeah, God, you really need to save those people over there. Because those people are worthy of your wrath. Me, I'm doing pretty well. And I'll watch as you do your wrath thing on those people. Right? And so we sit until we really believe who we are. So, and when men attempt to be Christians without this preliminary consciousness of sin, the result is almost bound to be a certain resentment against God as to the one always inexplicably angry. Most of us have at times felt a secret sympathy with the dying farmer who replied to the vicar's dissertation on repentance by asking, what harm have I ever done to him? What have I ever done to God to make him so mad? There is the real rub. The worst we have done to God is to leave him alone. Why can't he return the compliments? Why not just live and let live? See, we read these things about God's wrath and we're uncomfortable with the judgment of God because we believe that we're actually okay. And biblically speaking, one sin, any sin, is always against God. And if it's against God, God is 1,000% correct in his judgments. Therefore, we can very easily slip into the position of the people who see things going on, and instead of praising the name of God, we curse the name of God because we don't believe that we need his grace and forgiveness. And so, the book of Revelation calls to us, and it reminds us again, and, and intentionally so in these bowls, of how powerful God is, and how desperate we are, and how right God is in his justice and his judgments. And so then we look to God and we say, who can be saved? Who can be saved? If you're just this God of wrath and this God who's going to pour out these things upon sin, who can be saved? And the answer of the gospel is that the work that you can't do on your own, Jesus has done for you. And so then we look to him and we say, I can't do it. And that's exactly what God wants you to say. You see, there's a certain amount of freedom in believing that you are by yourself a bad, worthless, miserable human being. You know why? Because you know what God expects you to be? A bad, worthless, miserable human being, right? Can you do that? Yes, quite well, in fact, right? I mean, all of us are very well practiced at this. 
And the good news of the gospel, being a bad, miserable human being, God loves you anyway, right where you are. And he did all the work to bridge the gap to come to you. So what does he expect of you? Bad, miserable human being. It's, it's, what, it's what happened in the gospel. Did you hear that wonderful story? What did the centurion know? Jesus, you're not worthy into my house. You are not worthy to come into this place. But I know because I have power and authority over my um, members and my servants that they do what I say. So I know that if you do what you say and heal my son or my servant, they'll be healed because I know what power looks like and you have it. And what does Jesus say about that faith? That's real faith. What does the centurion know? He was not worthy of Jesus. But he reached out and cried out for Jesus in his desperation, trusting in the power and authority of Jesus. And Jesus said, yes, that's what I'm going to do. You see, here's what praise is. is and I wrote it down here for you. Praise is acknowledging God's spiritual victory even when we don't see the results in our present circumstances. Praise is saying, God, I believe that you have had the power in the situation. And I give you praise like the centurion did. I know who you are. And I believe that you have the power and authority. Even though right now, all I see are bowls of wrath. I see bowls of wrath poured out. I see pain. I see struggling. I see broken relationships. I see illness taking my loved ones. I see death and I see dying. I see chaos. But I believe in the midst of all of that, that you are the one with power and authority. And so I'm going to sing and pray to that one with power and authority. And that's what faith is. You see, until we understand how deep and broken we are, we can't understand how glorious our salvation is. And this section of the bowls of God's wrath needs to remind us of how powerful God is and how much he hates sin that then we can turn to him and we can say, and yet you love me. You see how glorious that is? But we need to allow revelation to hurt and hit us hard so that we can then turn back to that same God and give him praise. But I am 100% with you that I hate these bowls. I mean, they're not fun. They're not fun to read about. They're not fun to talk about. They're not fun to have a sermon series on, right? I think part of my depression on Thursday was going, I have to say that stuff again, God? Yeah, I do. Because we're right on the edge. We're right on the edge of the book of Revelation turning into this huge song of praise where the new heavens and the new earth are. But you know where that happens on our timeline? Here. Way over here. With the judgment seat of God. But you know who the book of Revelation is written to? People who are right here. In the midst of the seals. And the trumpets. And the bowls. And so what do we do? 
We praise a God who is victorious in the spiritual realm over things that we don't see in our present circumstances. And that's faith. That's the centurion saying, I know that you can save him. Just speak the word and you'll save him. And so my encouragement sounds funny today. Allow God to be big. Allow God to be full of justice. Allow God's bowls of wrath to hurt and hit hard and sit under that. Because in that, we need to understand that we need to repent so that we will not be the ones who are seeing these and then cursing the name of God. And when that happens, then in Revelation 15, we can be singing this great song of the church, which is great and amazing are your deeds, Lord God, the Almighty, just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Lord, who will not fear and glorify your name, for you alone are holy. And that's the beautiful song of the church. But it only comes when we sit and we go, oh, more. And so, and so the book of Revelation allows us to experience the bigness and the fullness of God and then to stand with a centurion and to say, Lord Jesus, I know that you are so powerful that you can heal my servant with just a word of your voice. And I know I'm not worthy to have you in my house. But will you do it anyway? And Jesus looks at the centurion and says, I've never seen someone with faith like this in all of Israel. And they go home, and how does the story end? He's healed. And so then we, we pray with the author of Revelation, come, Lord Jesus, come. We want you to do the things that you've done to transform this world. And this is the beautiful story of the gospel. And this is the story of the book of Revelation. And so, and so allow, allow this section to sit and hit hard so that we then cannot be with this man here who's saying, well, what, what have I done against God? But we can say, God, I know what I've done, and I can't believe you love me in the midst of that so that I can have freedom to now go and tell the world about you. Heavenly Father, um, these are hard words. These are words that none of us like to hear and none of us like to have spoken about us. But Lord, we need to become comfortable with your judgment and your wrath because you hate sin and you hate what sin has done to our world. Lord, we need you to be big and to be just so that we then can trust in you and cry out to you, knowing that you have the authority to do it. So, Lord, help us who are in this room and struggling with your wrath. Help us to understand that your justice is true. 
and that we submit to what you have done. So Lord, give us a spirit of hope, a spirit of understanding as we do understand the power of your word and the power of your presence. But then with praise, lift up your name. It's your holy name we pray. Amen.